Welcome to Signs from the Other Side with Fern Rone. I'm your host, Fern Rone, and this is the place to share stories of signs and messages received from the other side. Real quick before we get started, if you enjoy reading about signs and if you enjoy fiction like Bridget Jones and Sex in the City, you might enjoy my books, Better in the Morning and Better Believe It. And if you like this podcast, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe in Apple Podcasts and tell a friend too. Thank you so much for listening and on to the show. Mariana Catramanes is a writer, bookworm, and cultivator of peace via nature, mindfulness, and faith. Her essays have been published in the Chronicle Review and the literary journal Seeding the Snow. She is a PhD candidate in political science and describes herself as a crunchy mom to two young children. If you follow her on Instagram and if you check out her website, you know she loves Jane Eyre and is a huge fan of the Bronte sisters. If you follow her on Instagram, you also, like me, probably screenshot 90% of her stories because they are full of wisdom. She curates the most helpful, insightful, and screen grab worthy wisdom available on Instagram. Not the stuff that sounds great in a meme, the stuff that's about therapy and about healing and about understanding why we do the stuff we do and what we need to be healed from. It's the best. She's the best. Hi, Mariana. Wow. Hi, Fern. Thank you. (laughs) It's all true. (laughs) It's all true. And we were just chatting earlier, but we met at a writer's conference in Chicago in 2012. And we were just saying how much has changed since then. There's a, a whole other child in your life. <laughs> yes, yes. My daughter Very was nice. a year old when we met, and then my son is six years old now. Wow, isn't that? It's amazing how much can change in in all that time. Are you from the Chicago area? Because I know you're. Did you go to Indiana for undergrad? Yes, born and raised in Illinois. Went to undergrad at Indiana University. Nice. And then did you major in political science then? I did. I've done poli-sci all the way. Poli-sci for master's, poli-sci for PhD. (laughs) Oh, nice. So this must be an interesting time for you. It is, definitely. (laughs) And it's so interesting how, how you are so honest about your emotions and about healing and the, the, the things that you've done. Was your you know, like one of the things you posted the other day, which I screen grabbed, um, was about how, you know, your background doesn't have to be considered traumatic in the way we consider a, a, a childhood to be traumatic, you know, abuse or, or neglect or something like that. It could be traumatic for you, whatever you went through and held on to is as, as could be as harmful and as painful and need to be healed no matter what it was. So I thought that was so interesting. So how would you describe, because I would describe my childhood as happy, like my, I don't know, my parents are still together. I guess that's considered like normal. And I have an older brother. He's a great guy. Um, You know, like it's, it was normal, but there are certain things that happened in my childhood that I still feel like I need to heal from. Like I used to joke that my first grade teacher was the source of all of my anxiety, but I've, finally given it the credence it deserves that that was very hard to be screamed at by her at six years old. I was terrified. And that's a traumatic thing. It sounds, keep saying like, it sounds silly, but I have to respect that. It's not that silly. That was hard. How would you describe your childhood? So that is amazing that that post resonated with you because I feel like it's such a significant idea to kind of realize Mm -hmm. that there are big traumas that happen to people, you know, domestic abuse and just really horrific things. 
And yet there are also, you know, what you might call small traumas where from the adult perspective, looking at a situation, it may not seem like it was a big deal. For instance, (laughs) if your teacher had spoken to um, whatever she said to you when you were six years old, if she said that to you now might not as an adult hurt you. Mm-hmm. But it's that child that we still have within us that kind of carries that hurt around. So it mm-hmm. hurts that child at that time. It was a big trauma for that child. And so the pain doesn't just go away is what I've learned. And mm-hmm. it took me, you know, a few months of therapy to kind of grasp that idea that the energy and the pain stays within us unless we do something with it, unless we process it and work through it. And so, right, that's a, a fantastic message. And the holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicola LaPera, who I found on Instagram, she posts a lot about that inner child that we need to get in touch with and comfort and um, like kind of realize the wounds of the inner child. For me personally, I did not have big trauma, what you would characterize as big trauma in my childhood. But I think I came into this world more sensitive maybe than Mm -hmm. other, you know, children. So maybe more on the anxious side of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. kind of. I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah, like, and I think that changes how you filter the world. I think I was more just aware of tension between people. And I think conflict, whereas other kids might be able to process it quickly and say, oh, you know, those two people are arguing. It's not about me. I'm still safe. I'm going to, you know, go play and they'll figure it out. I don't think I was born with that inclination to do that so easily. And then I don't think that I had the tools to, like, make up for that and to learn how to process what was going on around me and work through it. And instead, I think I ended up doing what a lot of kids do and adults too, repressing emotions, dismissing emotions. And so what's held inside kind of grows bigger and bigger. Yep. And then you become an adult. (laughs) I can relate to that so much. I feel like I'm always aware of the dynamic in the room. I can always sense tension between people. I almost feel like I wouldn't be so arrogant as to say I could read people's minds, but I feel like I can know what people are thinking about other people or about me. And it's not because I'm paranoid. I just think I have... (laughs) An ultra sensitivity. You must absolutely, feel, yeah, the same way. So, how did you? What led you to discovering this and getting therapy? So, I think for me, a big moment was when my son started um, going to preschool for longer days, and my daughter went to first grade, so she was full day, and so I was just with myself for longer periods of time after you know so many years of being a stay at home mom having chatter filled silences and there's always something to do. You know, make make another snack, you know, they're thirsty again, grab another sippy cup. And um having that alone time and so much silence, it was kind of rattled me, I think. Yeah. And I started not being able to focus very well. And I started to just get really anxious um and sadness kind of set in. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe it's like seasonal affective disorder or something. Mm-hmm. So I try a lot of things that people say help with that, like walking more in nature and 
like meditation. Um, but I think my level of awareness of exactly what I was starting to go through was just not there. And yeah. so I had to, eventually it was like, okay, I need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just enough to kind of, you know, take more vitamin D and try to be out in the sun more. I was like, there's something deeper going on. And so I, I saw a therapist and you know, she was more, she wasn't what I needed at the time. She yeah. was kind of coming up with practical solutions. Like I would, you know, have a panic attack over something about the kids. And what I didn't realize was that the thing about the kids was something really minuscule that my anxiety had built it up to something huge. Mm-hmm. And in reality, it was just not huge. And she would come up with practical solutions, whereas my current therapist more says, okay, let's do some deep belly breaths. Let's get in touch with what's going on in Mariana's body. Let's become aware of the thought patterns you're having. Let's become aware of where you feel your emotions in your body. And so becoming more aware of of everything going on within me made me realize how aware of everything I had been of like everything going on around me, all the tension, all the like negative energy around me. I didn't realize how go really working through in therapy that I had just kind of been absorbing a lot of that without doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I almost had to hit a really, really low point to realize how aware of everything I had been, all the conflict and everything, how I, I internalized it. Yes. You must have been like, I can't believe I've gone my whole life, like taking in everything and just surviving. And 100%. yeah. Yep. yep. Wow. And so, so did she, is she the one who, did she introduce you to epigenics? Am I saying it right? Epigenetics? Yeah. Epigenetics. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I had seen that old therapist for a couple months and I didn't, it wasn't what I needed. So I switched to this new one that I'm currently with. I've been seeing her for almost a year and it's going really, really just fantastic. And generational trauma was something that came up and with that, you know, epigenetic, just this idea that maybe not everything you're feeling inside, not all the sadness, not all the anxiety is your own. Mm-hmm. And that was really incredible to be yeah. with us. And mm-hmm. think about all the trauma that, you know, my, my grandfather was in the Greek Turk War in the early 1900s and just the trauma of coming to America in that transition. And I hadn't really given it too much thought until those moments in those sessions. Yeah. And um, it's really powerful. So what, so your grandparents are this is on your mom's side they they were born in were they born in Greece so my my dad's parents were actually born in Greece and came over and I'm third generation on my mom's side so it was my great grandparents that came over yeah and it can be great grandparents that you're still carrying those fears and emotions and Absolutely. Because, and this is the most incredible thing that I've learned through therapy and that I've learned through the holistic psychologist. And another good one is um, Cheryl Paul. 
The Wisdom of Anxiety is the book she wrote, and she has a great Instagram account. But if if the previous generations haven't dealt with the trauma and they haven't worked through their patterns and they haven't processed everything, they're just going to carry that on to their children. And their children will learn the behaviors that were modeled for them. So how their parents handle stress is how they themselves will handle stress. Mm-hmm. And then they will grow into adults and the pattern will continue on until the trauma and the stress is, you know, we learn the tools to finally deal with it. Wow. So did you have to investigate like what they went through or did you just have to accept that they felt these things and you had a re- like, is there like a release that you do or like, what's the process? So I think we had in one session, if I remember correctly, I think we had like done kind of a meditation, like getting in touch with my great grandmother, like going to a more quiet place inward with a deep breath. And um, if I remember correctly, my therapist said something like, how do you think your great grandmother felt in those moments? And you know, I think I would say something like really sad, really, you know, devastated. And what could you say to your great grandmother that would maybe help her feel seen and heard and comforted? And I think I said something like, you you are loved. You are thought of often. It is not your fault what you went through. What you went through was very difficult. And you were very strong to have endured all of that. And I... In those moments, I I remember now, like, um, as I'm saying those words, it's, it's like taking me back to that moment. And I remember feeling a little bit of warmth in my chest. Yeah. Like a little part of me became unblocked and then healed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you have to do it many times or think that many times? Or did was it like, was that, like, that was one great um, session that? Yeah, I'd only done it that one time, but it comes into my mind every once in a while, especially when I'm walking in nature, there's just something about, you know, your feet on the dirt and your, you know, your shoes are crunching through the weeds. It's like you're getting back to your roots. You know, you see the roots of the trees and it's like, that's where my mind goes. Sometimes I just, you know, I'll, I'll like commune with them. Like, yeah, you guys had it really hard. And I just, you know, I feel for you. That was, you guys went through so much and, you know, I'll put my hand on my heart and, you know, I'll just, I'll just sit with it. And yeah. that's really difficult. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's like yes. the hardest part. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just oh, sitting with the sadness. I do not like sitting with sadness. <laughs> no. There's so, there's so much going, you know, we're talking in the time of, of quarantine and there's so much um, concern about mental illness and the effect that it's having, you know, people's, people's addictions and, and their stressors are so much higher and it's hard for people to be in quarantine. And I think a lot of it has to do with, it's hard to just be with yourself. It's hard to just be with your thoughts. And if you don't heal them, you'll look outside yourself for healing and it's not going to help. And I feel like so many people are, are find it so hard to be alone alone with themselves and their thoughts. And it's, and it's, I, what I love about this is it's like all about love. Like it's not Mm -hmm. looking back on your ancestors and, 
and maybe they made mistakes and still being angry with them. It's coming from a place of love. Like mm-hmm. we're, you know, that's where, that's where it all comes from. We're all connected. We're all belong to this, the source and it's all about love, which is the greatest energy and that you can heal by sending them love. Like it might've been painful to go through your whole life with things that they had passed down, but you're not, I certainly don't hear it, that you're, that you feel regret or sadness for yourself, that you, that you got that from them. It's nothing but love. And that's so healing. I love it. It is. It is all about love. And of course, you know, I have my moments, many, many moments where I'm just like, why? Like, why do I have to go through this? This Mm -hmm. sucks. This is like, you know, my anxiety is really high in the mornings. And sometimes it feels almost like I'm haunted by it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's about receiving it with love. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds really a little bit of a new like, there and, yeah. radical <laughs> idea, but that's what my therapist is teaching me. That's what, you know, I mentioned Dr. Cheryl Paul. I mentioned Dr. Nicola Perra. They're all about mm-hmm. compassion for others and compassion for yourself. Yes. And so when you welcome, you know, your haunting, anxious thoughts with, oh, I must be having a tough time right now. Yes. A lot of people have a tough time right now, but I can give myself love. I can give others love. And I know this moment is hard, but, but you know, I'm going to be okay. What do I need in this moment? And then you move forward with, you know, what do I need? Oh, I need rest. I need a snack. I need more deep belly breaths. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, kind of holding the same space for others. And yeah, it does put that love and that light out into, you know, the energy around you. Yes. And it's healing. It's so healing. Yes. I have a, you know, you know, when I was going through everything with my brother and I talked about it a little bit, if people are curious, they could look on my social media, but fine. Thank God. And he's, you know, my family is normal and private and I'm like the only loud mouth on social media, but. (laughs) But um, I was just like so praying so hard for him, and we were so terrified. And I re- and then I finally asked people to pray for him, and I I really mm-hmm. believe in that study where it could be a could be an urban legend, but one patient was being prayed for, and the other patient was not, and mm-hmm. the patient who was prayed for healed. And and I really mm-hmm. believe that. I really believe in the power of energy, and and so I asked people to pray for my brother, and I instantly felt lighter, and I feel oh, wow. like so hard for me to ask people for anything. And I get that from my one, I think from my one grip, I mean, I think I get it from all my grandparents and my parents. They're very of the like, you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You know, their parents came from Italy and they didn't ask Mm -hmm. for help from anybody and you got to do it on your own. And so that's kind of ingrained in my DNA. And then when I Mm asked people for help, I felt so much lighter, like physically lighter. And, and just like my chest, like you described, like my chest felt like something was lifted. And wow. I feel like it was such a huge lesson for me to, I love my grandparents. I love my parents, my great grandparents. I didn't know them, but I feel like I do. And I love them. And I know what, you know, what they went through wasn't easy, but mm-hmm. I feel like that we have to let, like, that was a huge lesson for me of as a family, I'm, I'm the one who's going to let go of this. We can ask for help. Yes. Okay. We're all in it together. Someone else wants a prayer. Someone else needs advice, needs anything. 
I'm, I want to help and vice versa. Like it's okay. So that was a huge lesson for me. And I really think it's generational. Mm -hmm. Oh, Fern, that's beautiful. I think this is so fascinating and so real and so like something so many more people should get in touch with and do. So the, so you mentioned, I followed Nicola Farah because of you, but who's the <laughs> other one? Who is the other one? Um, her name is Cheryl Paul okay. and she wrote the book, The Wisdom of Anxiety. And okay. her, uh, her essential idea is that anxiety is not something to fight with. It's not something to control or, you know, really be scared of. Anxiety is a messenger. It's a messenger that something else, you know, deeper is going on. We need to get in touch with something deeper. Um, and it's that's really, great. it's such a great message. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I'm following her and I'm going to read that book. So you have a great story about your, is, it's your maternal grandmother? My maternal great-grandmother. Okay. So when she was, let's see, I think she was around 18 or 19 years old. Um, she went to a woman in the village who was known to tell the future. And so, and this is a story my grandmother told me, her daughter. And the woman told my great grandmother that she will go to America. She will marry and have five children and die before the age of 50. Oh my God. What a thing to carry around. <laughs> for your life. <laughs> yes. And to hear at such a young age. And when my grandmother tells me this story, she, I, I don't see her get angry or, you know, uh, very often, but she gets angry, very angry when she yeah. tells me this story. You know, she'll say, who, t- who says that? To yeah. <laughs> so that was a lot to carry around. And the most tragic thing is it all happened. <sighs> It did. It happened. And it was, and it was such a traumatic way that it happened too. So she had the five children and I believe she was in her forties and I'm not really sure what precisely happened, Mm -hmm. but a relative of mine told me that my great grandmother was put into a mental institution. I I don't know if she was having erratic behaviors or what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know how long she was there for, but then they figured out, no, she has not lost her mind. She actually has a brain tumor. Oh, my God. Yes. <gasps> Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Oh. So she was suffering. Yeah, she yeah. suffered so much. Yeah. And so they did, let's see. So this was like the 19, late 1930s, early 1940s, I think then. And so they did whatever brain surgery they could do. And you know, eventually she passed away at the age of 48 from the oh brain tumor. Oh, my God. <gasps> oh, yeah. horrific. Just totally traumatic, terrible. How old was your grandmother? I think she was 20, oh. 20 or 21, something like that. And it was, it was really sad because she wasn't sure if her mom could attend her wedding. Oh. And, um, yeah, I think, I think my great-grandmother passed away like a few months after my grandmother married my grandfather. Wow. So sad. And that's something my grandmother really carries around with her. Yeah. She was very close to my great grandmother and, you know, she witnessed it all. Yeah. Yeah. If I were that fortune teller, I would have told, even if I had seen that, 
I would have told her, you're going to move to America. You're going to have five children. They're all going to be healthy and happy. You're going to live mm-hmm. to be a hundred. You're going to invent something that changes. Right. <laughs> um, like, I don't know. I would like make something up. I wouldn't tell her, like, if that's what I saw, I wouldn't tell her that. I would tell her the opposite because if it happens, great. And if it doesn't, well, what do I know? But like, I I wouldn't put that in someone's head because I feel like so much of it, so many things can be a self-fulfilling prophecy and I wouldn't do that to anybody. Yes. And I I told that to a close friend of mine and discussed it with my therapist and they both said, hmm, like, what if that is like self-fulfilling? Yeah. Somehow, yeah, which gives me like chills all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So then you're carrying that around. So your your poor great grandmother's going through her twenties and thirties and forties, being with this in the back of her mind, and and just living basically in fear. And I feel like yes, that can be passed through your DNA. Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess we didn't go too far into like the specifics with epigenetics, but I guess when you have like a, a traumatic experience, experience, like what they show in like lab experience with mice is that even with mice, it changes the genes and it's passed down to subsequent generations. Oh. So what happens is so then with my grandmother, maybe she did or didn't have a traumatic event to trigger that gene on, but she's definitely carrying around the pain that she witnessed herself. Yes, um, but it's kind of like we within me, I probably have that, you know, that experience gene, so to speak, from my great grandmother. And perhaps in some way, it was triggered for me. And maybe perhaps that led me toward, you know, that healing meditation I did with my therapist. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Wow. That is, that's amazing. That is amazing. There was another thing about my great grandmother that's kind of funny with numbers. Yeah. My mom was born on my great grandmother's birthday. And wow. so that alone is like, oh, okay. That's, yeah. you know, a coincidence. The funny thing is, is my daughter was born on my grandmother's birthday. This is oh. the same side of the family. Yeah. Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> yeah. So it, it feels like, what are the odds? What are the odds? A grandmother, granddaughter, yeah. and then the next grandmother, granddaughter. Yeah. Oh, my God. Isn't that, I don't know what it means yet. I don't feel like I have fully interpreted it. Um, yeah. And I'm one of the people who analyzes everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what it means, but yeah, my, my mom was born on July 26th, same as my great grandmother. And then my daughter was born on August 17th, same as my grandmother. Wow. Yeah. It's like a tie among the women or something like, yes. you know, to keep us remembering yeah. that we I have feel a like it could be a, a symbol that like it's because you're interested in epigenetics that mm-hmm. that it's a confirmation that yes it it is all connected yes you yeah. are carrying what what we've passed on and Ooh, that you're the, again. <laughs> and that you're the one to to heal it yeah that's amazing that is that's incredible amazing. I, I love your love of the bronte sisters <laughs> I love when someone just loves something so much. It's so sweet. It's so great. I'm trying to think of how it started. I know I read Jane Eyre when I was in undergrad and I loved it. And um, I didn't read too much fiction throughout grad school because I'm reading, you know, journals of political science. (laughs) And then somewhere down the line, just like three years ago, 
I picked up Jane Eyre again and I read it and I think I loved, I really connected to how sensitive the character Jane Eyre is Mm -hmm. and also how capable she is and resilient and just, you know, it's a beautiful work of literature. There's just so much there to analyze. And then I started delving into the lives of the Bronte sisters and they themselves had an incredible amount of trauma at a young age. So their mom passed away when they were so young. Charlotte was, let's see, I think she was five years old. And then their brother was like, yeah, they were very, they're born close together. So the brother was like four and Emily was three, Anne was two. And, and then eventually they actually had two older sisters and they had gotten sick and, and died. They were like 11 and eight, totally just so much tragedy. Yeah. And, um, and just, it's interesting to see how they worked through that. And Charlotte Bronte had an immense amount of anxiety, especially the older she got and she would fall into depression and it's fascinating to see how that kind of filtered through into her work. Yeah. Same with the younger sisters, kind of seeing how they dealt with all of that, how they worked through it, and how much strength they had to carry on. Yeah. And to run the household, and they didn't marry, they didn't have husbands, they kind of just had to rely on themselves, and their their brother, more tragedy with their brother, he, Aww. you know, had a lot of anxiety and sadness himself. He dealt with it with alcohol. And so there was a lot of conflict between Branwell, the brother, and Patrick, the father. And I don't know, I just find it fascinating how they work through all that and manage to put out these beautiful works of literature that really yeah. resonate with so many. Yes. And thank God they put out these works and that we're, st- and that we're able to know so much about them. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and learn from them. Like now I'm like so curious about this family. <laughs> so what books would you recommend that are, that are nonfiction about the Brontes? Nick Holland is a wonderful, wonderful resource for all things Bronte. He's written, I think, three books on the Brontes, a book about the aunt, a book about Anne Bronte, as well as Emily Bronte. Another great resource, a really fun podcast is Bonnets at Dawn. Oh, and I it's, actually, <laughs> it's actually, they, they, so the podcast started out with them kind of pitting Jane Austen against the Bronte sisters. Like, <laughs> how do they compare? And is this really witty and funny and intellectual too? And um, that's a great podcast. And I've learned a lot about the Brontes through that. If you're looking for a bigger read, um, if you're up for like really getting into it, like we're talking a thousand page book, um, <laughs> there's a book by Juliet Barker, who used to be curator of the Bronte Parsonage Museum. And I believe the book is called um, The Brontes, something like Isle Genius on the Moors. And it is fantastic. Okay. And when I first started getting back into reading their works and wanting to learn about them, I actually picked that up and I read it as fast as I could. I think my passion was just really strong and I was just ready. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, it was so wonderful to finally talk to you again after all these years. And yes. we have to keep in touch. And if I'm ever in Chicago, we definitely have to get together. A reunion. Absolutely. Yes. 
where can everyone find you? And so they can screen grab all of your things like I do. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. On, on Instagram, I'm mariana.catro. Thank you Thank for you doing too, this. Fern. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. You too. Thank you so much for listening to Signs from the Other Side. You can find me, Fern Rone, on all social media at Fern Rone, R-O-N-A-Y. I love hearing from you and I love hearing your stories of signs. And if you would like to hear more episodes of this show, please be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts. Thank you again and sweet dreams.